Hey, Drew, what's on the bookshelf? Today on the bookshelf is the wonderful book written by C.S. Lewis called mm-hmm. The Magician's Nephew. It sounds so, interesting. It's a really good book. Yeah. I mean, I'm a little biased because I've read it and also because I really like C.S. Lewis, but it's a really good book. And I think one of the reasons it's it's a strange book because it's in that category of children's literature that mm-hmm. is, I think, more appropriate for adults. Yes, <laughs> not uh, like many books today. But not like many books today, yeah. <laughs> But it's it's a really it's a really uh, it's a really powerful book. So it's also a lot like um, a lot like a lot of C.S. Lewis's other books, like Screw Tape Letters. Yeah. So despite its and that's not that nature. book's not in it's not chronically in order. Oh yes. So we should say it to begin with. This yes. book is part of the series, The Chronicles of Narnia, mm-hmm. and the series it starts technically as C.S. Lewis wrote them. It was written before all the or it's written it takes place before all the other ones but it's written after all the other ones were which written. most people who don't know this would have watched the movies already which this comes before all those movies right this this book you'd never see a movie on this one yes. although if they did it'd be which why don't they to be honest they should it, it would be so good a lot of backstory a lot of backstory it's a lot of backstory into into if you guys if you guys are out there and you like narnia you're gonna really like this episode of the podcast i think um, but I think we should just dig right into it. That sounds so good. I think we just get started. So The Magician's Nephew uh, was written by C.S. Lewis in like 1958, I believe. Maybe maybe a little bit later than that. Joel might want to look that up um, to get the actual date. But it's a children's book, um, just like the other ones, um, that takes place before uh, Narnia is created. And it sort of lays out the story about how that happened. The story starts off with Polly and Diggory. Um, Polly is this little girl in London, and Diggory is a little boy in London. And they meet each other in the garden, oddly enough. Hmm. And they make fun of each other's names, because their names are funny. Polly and Diggory are funny names. And um, Diggory, his face is all muddy. And he's like, he looks like, in to quote C.S. Lewis, he's been blubbing, which is a London, or an English, or very British word for like crying they definitely have a vocabulary more interesting yeah, yeah. than ours uh, for a hundred percent for <laughs> sure and so diggory's been blubbing all this time and um also c.s lewis makes the remark that uh well polly makes the remark that diggory couldn't have been more miserable than had he like or he could have looked more miserable than had he taken his hands gotten his face all wet and then Rubbed them and rubbed his hands in the mud and then splattered them all over his face because his face is all grubby. They start to like, a very uh, interesting relationship. It is, yeah. But um, they sort of like get over making fun of each other's names and they become friends. Hmm. And as they become friends, Diggory tells Polly about his situ- about like what his life is like. Mm-hmm. And Diggory lives in this house. It turns out it's right next door to Polly's, and they had no idea all the time they've lived in, here. Now in London. What's now, up? he's is he an orphan? I forget. No, Diggory is not an orphan. So this is not Harry Potter. Uh, right, but no, but <laughs> Diggory's not an orphan. His pa- his mother's alive. His mother is sick. Ah, okay, but that's that's yeah. where the strange relationship with his right. uncle comes. Right. So in. is his mother is sick. She's got like you don't act, they never I don't believe they actually ever say what she has. Mm-hmm. It might be cancer though. The way they sort of like tease it out is that it's sort of like cancer really? and that the doctors don't really know what to do. She's laid up in bed all day. Um, so Diggory sort of laments this to Polly and that's why he's been crying. Mm-hmm. But then she, he also laments to her that he has this crazy uncle named Uncle Andrew. Yes. And um, Uncle Andrew is kind of wild and a little bit crazy. And, you know, he lives in this attic, basically, of their house. And no one's allowed to go inside that door. 
And yes. Diggory mentions that at one point he heard a howl inside the attic, and he didn't know what it was while they were down at dinner. But then it freaked him out. And Polly says, how exciting. What an adventure. And Diggory said, you wouldn't like it if you are if you had to live there. And Polly says that he's probably right, which is <laughs> sort of true. And Polly basically shows – so after they become good enough friends, Polly feels like she can show him her sort of secret lair inside of her household. Mm-hmm. And she – there's this place in between – so their houses – you can't imagine it unless you've seen like a townhouse. You know, townhouses. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. that's how their houses are next to each other. There's no space between them. Okay. Yeah. So how, how do they access it again? So I... they have to like get up into this like crawl space. Yeah, that's. And right. then they have to like crawl through this like weird stone sort of like structure that's and like. And it's connected to the, house. the houses, correct? It's connected to the house, yeah, but okay. they can get into they can get into Polly's attic, and they realize that they can get into the other attics nearby. And that's when Diggory makes the mention that there's this house next door beside Diggory's house. So you have Polly's house on the right, Diggory's house on the left, and then mm-hmm. next to Diggory's house on the left again is another house that's completely empty. Okay. And, you know, they're kids, so they make up the story about how it's haunted. And, of course. And Diggory, Diggory, I think, accuses Polly that she wouldn't want to go into it, but that he, since he's the boy, he'd be happy to go into the house. Mm-hmm. And which we find out much later, Polly's much more. We find out later that Polly is much more adventurous <laughs> than Diggory. Um, but uh, basically, they, they end up going um, on this adventure. They're going to try and get into other house by means of going through the attics because mm-hmm. they know they can get to other houses through those attics. And um, a- as they, they do that, they realize, OK, we need to figure out this is where the math comes in, which I'm a fan of. So I'm a math major, of course. But. They they have to figure out this equation where they have to figure out like how many how many panels are in between each house how many like crawl like oh. how many like different like slats are between each house so they count them and they do the sum they both get it uh, they both get different answers in the end they get the same answer and C.S. Lewis mentions I'm not sure they got it right but whatever <laughs> they did it his and little then, interjections in the book his are little quite inter- amazing by the yeah way. Oh, by the way if you're not reading if you if you don't have a copy of the magician's nephew you can get it almost anywhere for like two dollars at your local bookstore. Thrift yeah. store, even go there. to a thrift store. Go to Goodwill. You can honestly probably find a copy yes. at Goodwill. And speaking of sponsors, Goodwill, please sponsor us. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> That'd be so cool. Um, but uh, I, I do suppose we have to start dropping that. We do we? need to drop. <laughs> we need sponsors. Yeah. So, but uh, you need to find this book because it's worth reading alone, just for C.S. Lewis's little asides. Mm-hmm. And there's so many of them that we could not. We could go into all of them, but it'd be longer than this episode of the podcast. Very much so. Um, but so. Where were we? Oh, they, they decide they're going to try. They have the math. They, they, they know where the house is. They know they just have to get to it via the attics. So they go to do it. They crawl up into, into um, Polly's house, and then they crawl up into, you know, crawl across the attic into Diggory's. And then when they, they think they've gone far enough, right? But then when they go to go down, they undo the latch at the top of the attic to get themselves to fall down in. Mm-hmm. And they fall down in and into Uncle Andrew's room, which it turns out to be a study. Yes. Okay. And Diggory and Polly, they don't really know what to make of it. Um, they know that it's Uncle they know that it's Diggory's house immediately though, because it's a study and Diggory has been told that that's what Uncle Andrew mm-hmm. has up there. And like who else would have a study up in the top floor? Does it of the say house? why his uncle is living in the same house as they are? It doesn't. It it doesn't mention that. In fact, it's not actually the uncle it's actually uh their aunt's home. Okay. Hmm. It's and I don't I don't know the relationship between Aunt Letty and Uncle Dick Uncle Andrew. I never gra- gathered really? that. So um, they're they're not married at all. I don't think they are, no. Huh. They may be. They may be. 
but I didn't, I, I don't, I didn't, it wasn't important enough for me to gather. Okay. Maybe somebody can, somebody in the comments who's read the book will tell us that we're all wrong. But uh, they basically end up in Uncle Andrew's study. And it's like got all these weird fixtures. There's like, you know, flasks and beakers and all sorts of scientific instruments and all sorts of weird like ancient instruments that look funny that they don't really understand, mm -hmm. that no one really understands because they're like these weird magical instruments. And so... Diggory makes these like we've made a great mistake. We need to leave now. And Polly's just like, Polly's thinking the same thing. Honestly, Polly's thinking the same thing oh, because really? she hasn't met Uncle Andrew yet. Huh. And when she meet, but then you know, as they like sort of like hash it out about what they should do next, and they go to leave, the, this chair spins around by the in the corner, and it's got Uncle Andrew in it, and he's like he. Is he looks sort of ominous. He looks sort of like this weird, deranged uncle. Um, when when C.S. Lewis describes him, he describes him as having beautiful, beautifully white fingers that are really long and like he's sort of like creepy. Not sure how you can associate so, beautiful with that, but I don't know. It's a very like it. He, they, I don't know. I I always sort of imagine a porcelain man. Hmm. You know, like a like an old man. The old mannequins I think used to be made yeah. out of like porcelain, right? Um, or no, not porcelain. That's not. Whatever, well, I'm like very, that white plastic I'm sort of thing. There, I'm glad you are, Joel. That's sort of strange. <laughs> We're gonna take that out of the podcast. So, but uh, they they make this um, this comment, and Andrew locks them into the into the into his study. Mm -hmm. Like he's too quick and too fast. He shuts the attic door and locks the door into Diggory's house. Okay, so like he locks them in the study. All right, and he's still in there with them. Okay, so he locks them in with himself, right? Mm -hmm. And then he says, oh, I'm so happy to see you. Yes. <laughs> and that's not good news, Tell obviously. Subjects. That's never what you want to hear from no. the crazy, deranged uncle. And um, Polly's not so happy about it. But in the corner, there are these rings, okay? There's these four rings, okay? There's two green and two yellow. Okay, mm -hmm. so there's four rings total. And... The first thing that when Polly sees them, she says aloud that those are like the most beautiful rings she's ever seen. Okay, mm -hmm. and they look really pretty. And C.S. Lewis remarks that if Polly had been a bit much younger, like a baby, she would have wanted to like chew on one because what babies do. And so they're sort of like you know those shiny objects. That's what they are. And uh, Uncle Andrew sees the kids are eyeing these rings. Even Diggory's eyeing the rings because they look they're in this like weird spot they're on. They look like they're up for display or for use. And Diggory like doesn't say anything but then uncle andrew sees that the kids are interested and he says oh polly would you like to try on one of the yellow rings and polly thinks to herself oh absolutely and but she's sort of like hesitant and then he says oh but you're such a beautiful fine young lady and it would go so good with what you have on and so she gets enticed into trying on the ring and when she tries on the ring she just disappears the yellow ring just disappears completely okay and diggory's shocked utterly shocked because like why did the, what, like what happened like yes. that's not real but he's also a kid and so like you can imagine that kids of the age and diggory and, and, and polly are like probably nine or eleven years old somewhere in that range so they're pretty young and so diggory sort of treats it like what did you do like how could you have done this where did polly go and uncle uncle andrew is really like not he's really nonplussed about it like he's sort of like nonchalant like it's not a big deal that polly just disappeared and Diggory says, you have to go get her. And Uncle Andrew says, 
I, how could I go get her? And uncle, he eventually, get, they eventually get to the question. Digger asks, where did she go? Mm-hmm. And uncle enter turns out he has no idea where they go. Where, where, so he's more or less dabbling with, he's more or less dabbling with things he doesn't understand. Yeah. And he says that he's this, and he goes into this story about how in their family, they had this, they have magicians in their family. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there's a little bit of magician's blood in uncle Andrew. And he's able to like mess with these arts and then he goes into this and he, he shares that with diggory he shares this with diggory uh, and he has this like very weird story about his his aunt or is it his aunt let's see um he says have you ever heard of old miss leafe and diggory says wasn't she a great aunt or something so she's like she's diggory's great aunt i guess and then Uncle Andrew says, not exactly. She was my godmother. That's her there on the wall. So this person, they Miss Leafay, turns out to be like sort of a fairy. Okay. Mm-hmm. So she's like the first. So he is the last. She's a fairy. He's the last person with a fairy godmother. Okay. Really? <laughs> like because Miss Leafay died. And Uncle Andrew is pretty sure there's no other fairies left on the earth. So Uncle Andrew is had a fairy godmother, basically, which is sort of a bit funny. So, but... Miss Lefay left this box to Uncle Andrew when he was, when she died. And this box had these, had dust in it. And Uncle Andrew didn't know what the dust was, but he knew at once it was magic. And, and he doesn't say why, he just says, because I have a higher mind. So he's really higher arrogant about it. Yeah, he's very arrogant, by the way. He's very, if, if you haven't read the book, Uncle Andrew is very arrogant. Um, and he has this higher mind and he learns over the years to cra- he learns that this dust is from another world mm-hmm. or so he thinks it's from another world which begs the question like how how much magic is incorporated in into the dust or into uncle andrew well like like it seems to be following that family but how prevalent is it in like let's say yeah. all of london or like is there magic in london i don't know i don't no, think i don't think there's much magic in london well, i'm saying like <laughs> this the, the whole setting of the book is based off <laughs> of what would be the real world yeah and i don't know i've never thought of that just andrew being the only person who has the magic yeah that's strange why is it just andrew yeah because like he so. i don't think c.s lewis goes into because at once he doesn't really go into, into it, no. the world mm-hmm. maybe somebody needs to write a backstory to yeah. the magician's nephew to explain a few things mm-hmm. um anyway so basically uncle andrew creates these rings out of this dust that's from this like magic box that it turns out is actually from atlantis it's, the box is from atlantis really it's from atlantis yeah wow. so like that's like and that's never explained obviously how could you but it sort of like adds to the awe of it this box is very it's got fairy dust in it and uncle andrew and it's got these it's got this dust it's from another world and so andrew uncle andrew crafts these rings okay he crafts these two rings yellow ones that he crafts he actually crafts a a lot of rings and it turns out he's been sending things to this realm for a very long (laughs) time so he said at first he was sending inanimate things but then he started sending hamsters (laughs) hamsters <laughs> hamsters <laughs> yeah so he sends he sent a hamster to to the realm and um and diggory says that's not very nice of you like how's the hamster gonna get back and he, he goes it's just a hamster what's it matter and then he goes but now you've sent polly and it's a pretty and big jump right it's there. a pretty big jump right there yeah <laughs> and and uncle andrew says that it doesn't matter and then uncle andrew says something really important when um diggory accuses him of being a very bad man and of not of not like doing things that are good and so, and he also, Uncle Andrew also lies a few times. So he lied about, he lied to Polly about the rings, first of all, because he didn't tell her actually, like he didn't, 
he persuaded her so yes. like he didn't do he wasn't a very good person about it and then also his aunt Lee Fay tells him to throw away the dust and to bury it and get rid of it when when she gives the box to him and he doesn't do that so he doesn't promise her he promises her that, he, that he'll do that and he doesn't do it and so Diggory finally caves and, he, and he's he says uh he says that uh well then it was jolly rotten of you <laughs> that's what he says and and uncle andrew says rotten oh i see you mean that little boys ought to keep their promises very true most right and proper i'm sure and i'm very glad you have been taught to do it but of course you must understand that rules of that sort however excellent they may be for little boys and servants and women and even people in general can't possibly be expected to apply to profound students and great thinkers and sages no no diggory men like me who possess hidden wisdom are freed from common rules just as we are cut off from common pleasures Ours, my boy, is a high and lonely destiny. Hmm. And Digger even thinks then, he thinks that all that means is that you think you can do anything and be right about anything. And Uncle Andrew admits it. Of course, I didn't dare to open the box for a long time, for I knew it might contain something highly dangerous. So, like, he admits that he didn't know what he was doing, but he also admits that he did things wrong, but he doesn't, like, ever commit to, to writing them. Um, which is, I think what Diggory doesn't like about Uncle Andrew is that he's not, he's not, one, he doesn't tell the truth and then he doesn't fix what he breaks. So Diggory then says, you need to go save her. He charges Uncle Andrew. You have to go save Polly. Mm -hmm. And Uncle Andrew says, I could never do such a thing. I'm such an old man. Like he, like he makes all these excuses. Mm -hmm. And, and then Diggory says, what good is, is, is like being the finder of worlds if you never go explore them? Ooh, that's, and, that's a good question. And Uncle Andrew says, well, basically, if you're so keen, why don't you go do it? <laughs> and and Diggory says, well, I, he, he basically commits to it. He says well, ju- he just might have to. And then when he's when he goes to put on the ring, um, he says, by gum, said Diggory, don't I just wish I was big enough to punch your head? <laughs> and then he buttoned up his coat, took a deep breath, and, pick up, and picked up the ring. And he thought then, as he always thought afterward, too, that he could not decently have done anything else. Yes. So basically, it was the right thing to do. He knew in his heart that it was the right thing to do. So Diggory ends up. He puts on this yellow ring, and by the way, he takes these. He takes the green rings with him. Yeah. What's okay. yeah? And we got. I forgot. I suppose I forgot to explain those. So there's two sets of rings: the yellow rings and the green rings. And what Uncle Andrew believes is that the yellow rings are rings that want to go back to their place, mm-hmm. and the green rings are rings that want to get back, or that also want to get back to a place. So he thinks the rings transport you between places when you touch them so one takes you there and one brings one you one takes you there one brings you back but obviously he hasn't sent a hamster he with hasn't a green sent a hamster with a green ring because he hasn't <laughs> found out if it gets back or not because he didn't want to lose any green rings no. he, yeah, apparently i think he actually only had two green rings and that's why he wasn't sending them anywhere yeah. um because he says he has a bunch of yellow rings because he sends like he he keeps sending they find a hamster in the well you'll see they find a hamster in this realm and that chapter is called um Polly and Diggory entered the wood between the worlds. So that's the name of the chapter. So there's this Diggory wakes up basically. He feels like he's swimming, but when he gets out of this pool, he's not wet. Mm-hmm. He's completely dry. And he's on dry land. And he feels very sleepy and he feels very like almost subconscious, like he's dreaming. And he doesn't remember how he got there. He doesn't remember he sees like he has a ring in his finger. He doesn't understand it. And he feels just like he might lay down to take a nap. But then he sees Polly and he tells Polly like 
feel like I've seen you before. And Polly <laughs> says, I feel like I've seen you before a very long time ago. And they eventually come to their, they come, they become conscious of basic, basically. And they are in that world and they realize what's happened to them, realize they've been sent to this world um, that's by Uncle Andrew. Digger realizes, oh, I have green rings, we can get back. And they basically experiment with it. They go, okay, so we're about to go back. But before they put on the green rings, Polly says, well, Polly wants to go back. But Diggory says, hold on, we should like, let's explore. There's so many, so they came out of this pool to get into this world between, this world between worlds. But then there's other pools around them and a bunch of trees and stuff. Does it mention how many pools there are? No, it doesn't. Because no. each one does lead to a different Each world. one supposedly leads to another world. Okay. okay? Um, they don't know yet that that's what, they, they think they have inklings of, ex, inklings of imagination that that's what the, the pools are. Yes. And then they think, so then they go to go back, okay, to check and see how they can get out, okay? So they go to go back, they jump into, and basically what they think is, well, we came up so slowly that maybe we'll come down slowly too. So we'll have time to take the, the yellow ring off our finger and then, like, do that. So they jump into the pool with the yellow rings on. Nothing happens. The yellow rings don't work that way, okay? And Diggory goes, oh, buy gum. <laughs> like, buy we gum. got the wrong rings on. <laughs> so they step out of the pool. They put the yellow rings into their left pocket and the green rings in, on to their fingers, and nothing happens. They think the green rings take them back. And Uncle and Diggory goes, Uncle Andrew had it all wrong. These green rings don't work that way. And then Polly suggests we should jump into the pool with the green ring on. So they jump into the pool with the green ring on, and they slowly descend in back to Earth, back to, the, back to Uncle Andrew's study. And right before they like appear in reality uh so they could they see. take the rings off so they could see if they could get back basically really they're doing it safely okay. yeah okay so they're gonna do an they're exploring but they're doing it safely okay mm -hmm. and then they get back into their other world back into that wood between the worlds they're not they're still conscious so they never go into that unconscious state again so they're back between that those were they're back in that wood between the worlds and they go they decide they're gonna go exploring on pools so they're going to go jump into other pools. And then Diggory just goes to right do it. And then Polly grabs him. <laughs> and then she goes, no, wait. And Diggory feels a sick part in his stomach. And he thinks, what have I just done? <laughs> because they had no way of knowing which world was theirs. Yeah. And then C.S. Lewis mentions that it probably would have taken 100 to 1 odds that they would get back. So there were just so many pools, it was really unlikely that they would ever find theirs again. So remind me again, is, is Polly the more adventurous one? Or They're no? both pretty adventurous. They both tease each other about not being adventurous. But I feel like, from what the, I remember, I feel like... Polly ends up being more adventurous. Yeah, okay. okay. Um, Diggory is, is right now the one who's more rambunctious right now. Though. Yes. Okay. So they mark their pool, the one back to Earth, with, a, with, a, with Diggory's pocket knife by, like, cutting up a piece of grass and the, like, flipping it over so like you can see the underside of it. so it's like, obvious that they were there and um they jump into this other pool okay and when they jump to this other pool they end up in a new world and in this new world it is it's very different than um than the world that they had just been in it's it seems like a dead world kind of mm -hmm. like there's this very, it's very red sunlight emanating from a star that looks really old. When stars get old, they turn red, basically. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So, like, one of the ways to know how old a star is, and this is just an astronomy thing. You'll learn this. You're in astronomy right now. Yes, fortunately. When stars, the older a star is, the more red it is. And it's called red shifting, and you can actually tell how old a star is based on the red shift of its. Oh, okay. So, 
And that wasn't we're not uh, Narnia. Is this not in Narnia. Not nope. in Narnia. We're in a we're in this other place in a chapter in chapter four, which is called the Bell and the Hammer, which we're gonna get to in a second. Mm-hmm. And so they've got this. Um, they've got this. Let's see. Yeah, I gotta find this page in the Bell and the Hammer though, because it's an important page. And let's see. Just a second. Got it. Okay. So they're in this new world. Okay. They're standing in the center of a of a decrepit and fallen castle. Okay, so all around them, it's all like mossy, dead vines are growing all over the rocks and sort of pulling it down to the earth. And um, everything looks old and like it hasn't been used. It hasn't been lived in for a long time. It just looks dead. This world looks fundamentally dead. Okay, and so Polly says they should probably go back. But Dickory is like, I want to explore. And Polly says, I'm game if you are. And that's and they're basically like, (laughs) it looks like they're going to do it. And so they begin to explore this world, and they're walking through this. It's a fallen castle. I don't know, um, like if you've seen like a castle nowadays in like old England that are fallen. Oh, it's yeah. sort of like, like that. Castles. It's a temple. Yeah, it's like an old castle. Yeah. And they're walking through it, and eventually they come to this hall, this dining hall that's lit, and it has this great long table, and there's people sitting at the table, hundreds of people sitting at the table. Okay. And they get scared and skittish because they don't know who these people are. Um, but they, they like peek slowly through the door and they see that they're not moving and it's strange. And then they realize that they look like wax. So they're all statues basically. But they're like the best wax figures you've ever seen. Yeah, and which may happen to be real people. Which may happen to be real people, yeah. And um, so they're all frozen, okay. And at the right end of the table, based on where they walk into the room, everyone looks like samba okay happy kind of like sort of like in between mm-hmm. you know kind of not a care in the world okay but as they move farther towards the left end of the table the people get angrier and angrier until they're staring at faces that are contorted in horrible anger okay what was the reason for that I and i've actually never really figured out why it is except that at the other end of the table is jadis and that's the witch so, uh, yeah that, that could have something and to it do could have it. an effect so when they get so as they go further left to the table they see this very very beautiful woman in the words of diggory the most beautiful woman he's ever seen <laughs> which i'm sure made polly feel yeah yeah and about. polly 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 actually thinks to herself in c.s lewis's thoughts i guess wasn't that great <laughs> like like she wasn't that impressed but diggory's pretty Coming impressed from a non-biased uh yeah position, right exactly yeah so um and next to the queen there is this there's a bell and a hammer and on and written uh, on a plaque next to the bell says make your choice adventurous stranger strike the bell and bide the danger or wonder till it drives you mad what would have followed if you had Mm. Mm. so it's like so this is a debate so right now this is the first temptation to strike the bell Mm -hmm. it's not really a temptation though it's more of a it's it's more of like a a, te- a teasing it's yeah, like it's teasing. wonder what would happen if you never strike the bell better safe than sorry better safe than sorry and they don't know what would happen like if they do it polly says they shouldn't for the record which is weird because i have some, <laughs> i have this you and you will by the end you'll be like polly some more adventurous stuff yeah it. okay but diggory thinks they should okay and they get into this <laughs> argument of like what? well there's a very good looking woman involved so why not yeah and and diggory says that he feels this magic drawing him to strike the bell okay but 
he eventually he'll admit later on that he never actually felt any magic he just wanted to tease polly (laughs) so he gets them into this mess when they strike the bell this vast this very loud humming rings out it's harsh and cruel and it resonates throughout the the castle and like nothing really happens besides that but then jadis awakes why only her does it specify it doesn't specify it just says that jadis awakes and actually um diggory c.s lewis mentions that you could feel as if magic were imbuing the room yeah so like magic is sort of entering the room at this point right and uh jadis awakes and jadis is this queen and she stands up and she's much taller than you know yeah, normal the human. normal human being mm-hmm. and she's beautiful she's got the most beautiful gown on but she's got this horribly pale white face. So despite the fact that she looks beautiful, technically, like mm-hmm. her, she has very nice features, she's got this pale white hue to her. And she thanks them that, that they have, like, her. that they freed her. And then she remarks to, to Diggory that she he must be a descendant of some great and powerful yes magician and and diggory says like sorta like <laughs> like the uncle andrew's not at all yeah but um he like he doesn't know what to say to her she grabs both of them by like their hands okay and they can't get free and they sort of have this horrible situation going on okay the yellow rings are both in their left pocket so they both know where they are okay so that could technically get them back okay yes so but you can imagine if they're being held on to so i don't know who's on whose side oh polly mentions polly thinks to herself that she can't rightly reach into her pocket so i guess that means that she she'd have to reach across her body to get into the pocket so mm-hmm. i guess she's on the left the right side of the queen yes. that means diggory's on the on the left side and diggory won't leave her so diggory has a stock conversation where he can't get into his ring either and so they so they can't do it and they can't talk to one another about like like they can't yeah. yeah they just they can't because this queen is now telling them about what happened to this world which you find out is called the world charm okay the world charm 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 c-h-a-r-n charm which is i don't know what it means huh i don't know if it means anything so the queen walks them around the castle okay and also tells them that now that they've woken her up the castle's gonna fall over so they need to leave really fast okay and due to the bell being rang due to the bell being rung yeah and because um, the magic in this world is basically it's collapsing, collapsing. and it's going to destroy the world and then it'll be a dead world and then they won't be able to be able to leave. And they go to like they go to like the end of this to the end of the castle where there's a door and all the while the queen is telling them about what happened to her realm and how it was destroyed by war and how um how she had this horrible sister who started this war who wouldn't let her out the throne who wouldn't let her have like this some magic power or whatever and it comes to this the queen says basically so because of that i killed everyone <laughs> which 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 um you have to mention the deplorable word you have to, okay it, but so she mentions that she kills everyone first though yes and but, then, but that was does that mean they were actually killed because they were all frozen well, no, a lot of people died due to the deplorable world. I mean, the deplorable word, it was, um, it says, what did you do then? Let's see. Uh, the deplorable word, it it, it it kills, It's it was the secrets of all secrets. It had long been known to the great kings of our race that there was a word which, if spoken with the proper ceremonies, would destroy all living things except the one who spoke it. So it destroys all living things except except mm-hmm. the queen who spoke it. And she learns this word, and 
tells her sister that she's going to use it and then uses it just to spite her. Mm-hmm. And then goes into this dining hall and sets this strong spell in the dining hall that basically somebody would have to wake her up before the world would end. Which okay. is interesting because she must know that there's well, other I, worlds then at yeah, that point. Exactly. Like you don't really know. Like you never really get into her, her true intentions about why yeah. she does that. And then she says to Diggory and Polly, and now that this world is ending, you guys with your great magic are going to take me back to your world yes. where I'm going to be the queen and I'm going to rule. Because she originally wanted to be queen. She originally, she, she that's in. why she won. That's why she used the word in the first place was okay. to be queen. And I should, we should actually say before she says all that, the children complained that what she did to all the people was wrong. <laughs> and then like Diggory says, but the people <laughs> and, and the queen asks, what people boy and Polly says, all the ordinary people who'd never done you any harm, and the women, and the children, and the animals. And the queen says, don't you understand? I was the queen. They were my people. What else were they What else were they there for but to do my will? Diggory replies, it was rather hard luck on them, all the same. And then the queen says, I had forgotten that you were only a common boy. How should you understand reasons of state? You must learn, child. That what would be wrong for you and f- or for any of the common people is not wrong in a queen such as I. The, g- the weight of the world is on our shoulders. We must be freed from all rules. Ours is a high and lonely destiny. Diggory suddenly remembered that Uncle Andrew had used exactly the same mm. words, but they sounded much grander when Queen Jada said them. Perhaps because Uncle Andrew was not seven feet tall and days only <laughs> beautiful. Perhaps. So the queen is making... Diggory saw this in, in his uncle where he was obviously flawed and now he sees it in the queen, mm-hmm. but she's beautiful and it sounds better, <laughs> Yes, but he still thinks it's rotten. Like they, both the children still think it's rotten. Okay. So the queen uses her magic to pull down these doors. Okay. And when she pulls down the doors, they see the dead realm. And when she uses the magic, she releases her hands and Polly and Diggory both yell now. And they plunge their hands into their left pockets but the queen grabs on to Polly's hair. Which isn't her hair. Her hair, yeah. She grabs onto Polly's hair, and they get pulled into the wood between the worlds. Okay. Mm-hmm. And when they get to the wood between the worlds, the queen is no longer powerful. Okay. In fact, she's weak. She's withered. So, like, they don't really understand why that is. Like, yeah. they can't figure out why it would weather her, except that her magic isn't as potent there. So, like, maybe there's something about the magic that she possesses that just weakens her and drains her. Mm-hmm. And so she looks very withered and very weak. And, like, they're both sad. And they both don't, like, they don't want to leave her in the realm to die. Yeah. And eventually Digger sa- Diggory says, it's all, it's all rot. <laughs> like, let's just do it. So they go to jump into their pool. But as they go to jump into their pool... She grabs on to one of them. I forget who it is, but she grabs on to one of them and she gets pulled into Uncle Andrew's study. And then the chapter ends and the, the next chapter is called The Beginning of Uncle Andrew's Troubles. Okay. The queen gets to the world. Okay. She's in the study and she starts to declare to Uncle Andrew that she's come to rule the world and that he is going to be her servant and we don't know if she, she doesn't have magic powers in she doesn't she actually tries to smite um the the children but can't i believe she tries to like smite them and but she can't and then she's like never mind it and then <laughs> and she gets distracted we'll get to that later and then we'll get to that later yeah <laughs> after i rule the world and she goes on and she's like i need to we need to you need to go i need to go and tell the people that lead this world that like 
I'm the leader now, basically. It's like the I'm the captain now from uh, from Captain Phillips. Have you seen? And I'm, I'm presuming that Andrew kisses butt. Hey, Uncle exactly, yeah. Uncle Andrew is uh, Uncle Andrew is a scared little boy, basically. Yes. And I'm like Diggory's a little boy, but he's not. He's noble, sort of. Yes. And Polly's a noble little girl too, for that matter. And they don't know what to do. So Uncle Andrew puts on his best coat. He wants to look the best that he can. <laughs> and he puts on, he has like an eyeglass too. He looks, they, there's actually the book that I have has like little illustrations in it. And Uncle Uncle Andrew looks ridiculous in his like frock coat and pea, his like pea body uniform basically. And that was it. No, not a, a pea coat, like pea, pan, pea coated pants, like wool pants basically. Okay. And um, he... He does all this. He gets all up and going. He asks his aunt. He asks Aunt Letty, his either his wife or his aunt. I don't know which. Still, I think it was uh, the aunt. It's definitely his aunt. He asks her for money because yeah. he has no money. And Aunt Letty's like, I don't have like, why, why are you asking me for money? Like, what do you need it for? And he goes, I just need five pounds. <laughs> and um, she gives it to him out of spite. And then her, him and the queen go out into the out into the world. And Uncle, I'm sorry, and Diggory and Polly are left, like, totally, like, oh my gosh, what have we done? Mm-hmm. And then Uncle, and then Diggory basically says, well, like, <laughs> maybe it'll be okay. <laughs> and Polly's like, it's not going to be okay, but she can't, she doesn't know what to do because she's almost late for dinner. So she has to get back for dinner. And so she just decides, look, we'll leave it now. We're going to come back to it after dinner. But when she's late for dinner, her parents make her eat and then make her go sleep for two hours. <laughs> so they punish her. So she has to go to a room for two hours. Which and they still have the rings at this point, right? They still have the rings, right. They still have the rings. They And the queen doesn't know about the rings. Yes. Okay. She doesn't understand them. She doesn't really get them yet. Um, she, she just thinks they're imbued with uh, She thinks that powers. the children know how to do magic. That's yeah. what she thinks. Mm-hmm. Um, so Diggory decides, well, the queen will no doubt come back. And when she comes back, she's going to kill Polly and I. <laughs> so he decides he's going to watch the street. So... He goes to watch the street, and as he's watching the street, um, he he remembers something that he remembers something that he thought when he went into the world, which is that the world, the wood between the worlds, might host a world that had something in it that could heal his mother. Okay, and the reason he thinks this is because it's got magic, mm-hmm. and why why wouldn't there be magic that could heal somebody? Yeah, and um, the, what jars his memory to it is that. Um, this woman drops off grapes while Diggory's watching the window, and uh, the servant there takes the grapes and, and says, these will do wonders for for Diggory's mom's health, basically. Hmm. And Diggory's like, oh, that would be great. That's, Polly, that's what Polly and I are going to do next. We're going to explore into the world after we solve this problem. Long story short, Diggory eventually hears a bunch of ruckus outside yes quite and a bit. quite a bit of ruckus outside <laughs> he goes outside and it is it is utter madness i mean everything is is going down as they say yes and um there is a bunch of police officers there's a bunch of people who are sort of like looking gleefully at the spectacle and coming down the street is a cabbie which is like a carriage yes and a horse is pulling it the queen is riding on top of the carriage like surfing basically and it's coming down the street and a bunch of people are chasing her like co- like cops are chasing her and um there's a cabbie like the actual like cab driver who's like trying to get his horse and buggy to slow down 
and basically they go to take a sharp turn around Diggory's by Diggory's house and the the whole thing just flips over and the queen somehow ends up on top of the horse like riding it <laughs> and when she ends up on top of the horse as she ends up on top of the horse she grabs this light she grabs this thing off a light like there's a light post nearby was it the light post or was it off the off the it's a light post Cabby. no no okay. it's a light post and she grabs the like top of it like there's like a i guess some sort of like piece of metal like uh-huh. hanging like a t yeah. on and she grabs that and yanks it off and then starts swinging and hitting people and like she clunks a cop on top of the head Ugh. and and uncle andrew is like mortified of course <laughs> and digger realizes that he has to get like to this woman he has to grab her and put his hand into his left pocket and like touch a ring and just as he's about to do something, Polly sees him, and they, like, devoid this plan. Polly grabs onto Diggory, and um, Diggory l- l- reaches out. As he reaches out, he gets hit in, hit in the face by by uh, the queen. The horse is kicking its its legs and, like, very mad. Uh, like, I, it actually, the queen makes the horse mad when she rides it. Really? Yeah, the horse gets enraged huh. when the queen. And, like, it sort of says that the queen did something to, like, do this to the horse, like, by her magical nature but i don't really say what but the queen the the queen makes the horse mad okay so remember what happened when they left charn okay all the queen had to do was grab somebody to like get the ring to Mm -hmm. to work Mm -hmm. to like so it turns out all you need to do is be touching someone right and so when diggory finally gets a hold of the queen's heel he catches the queen's heel polly's holding on to diggory okay Uncle Andrew is also holding on to he grabs Diggory for some reason hmm. like he just is like scared I guess and grabs Diggory and or he might grab Polly oh no I know what happened um Diggory grabbed Polly's hand and Polly grabbed and and Uncle Andrew grabbed Diggory's uh like coat or whatever okay when they grabbed him wow, so it's and not physical touch it's no rather it's just anything any touching items, yeah personal items. items and also the cabbie is trying to get his horse to calm down so he's touching the horse uh-huh. okay and the queen is on the horse. So all of them <laughs> get transported into the wood between the worlds. And as they get transported to the wood between the worlds, they're all holding on to each other. At this point, all of them let go of each other. Okay. The queen is sort of weak. Okay. And she's on the ground. Again. Again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she is, and then she, I think she grabs Uncle Andrew's coattail or something. Okay. She's holding on to something. And as they're all standing there, the horse is wandering around, and it sticks its head into a pool. But they're all holding on to each other, <laughs> so they get transported into another realm, and they don't know which one. They end up in this completely dark world. Okay, we don't know if it's Charn, but it's a dead world, mm-hmm. completely dead. There's yeah. nothing. It which looks is an interesting. Concept. It seems like they're standing in space. That's what. That's the way it's described as. Yeah. Okay, and they're in this dark world. At this point, they don't really know what to do. The queen is she now has her strength back she doesn't her magic doesn't quite work yet she tries to smite uncle andrew but it doesn't work again um and which is nice spending time with someone who's tried to smite you again. yeah right yeah so uncle andrew like that's the sort of guy he is he's a sort of dude who like is completely ineffectual yes which is not a great guy like he's not he's not powerful and he's not strong he's just a weak person weak and weak character as well he's a weak character too and um let's see so right so they call this world nothing that's what they call the world um it's sort of like nowhere in avengers remember nowhere nowhere yes. yeah, sort of like that yeah uh, it's, it's a world called nothing but eventually 
um, in the distance, they hear this very wonderful sound playing. Hmm. And as it plays, all of a sudden, um, it starts off, it's very beautiful, and I'm doing this with my hands, lights pour out. Okay, So you can almost imagine this is God creating light. Yeah. God said, let there be light. And the way C.S. Lewis does it, it's in a song version, which I actually really like. It's yeah. God singing. And God is singing creation into existence, and God is Aslan. If you haven't figured this out, this is Aslan singing, yes. okay? And in the distance, they see the lion, okay? And the queen is horrified. Uncle Andrew's horrified. Which is funny. Why is she horrified? She's horrified because she sees somebody, I think, this is what I think this is my opinion of it. Yeah. She's horrified because she sees something that is more powerful than her, mm-hmm. that is more beautiful and more powerful than her, and it makes her angry that that thing should exist. So she wants to kill it. Yeah. Okay? And so basically as the as the lion sings, as the lion sings, all the the hills start to roll and mountains start to climb and grass populates them. And then as the song changes, things start to grow. Trees sprout up slowly and everything starts to grow. And the queen sees the lion and she has that light post still in her hand, like mm-hmm. the, the part of it, and she hurls it at the <laughs> lion's face and it hits him, but it didn't do anything. It doesn't do anything. And she shrieks like a cat and runs away <laughs> to who knows where. And when the light post falls, though, it hits the ground, and it starts to grow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, do you think that grew because it hit Aslan or because— No, it grew because the world—and it says why at the end. It says, because, okay, Uncle Andrew sees the light post grow, and he thinks to himself, my, we're rich. <laughs> yes. He thinks, by gum, we're rich. <laughs> plant some gold and, and he thinks, yeah, yeah, we'll plant gold. We'll come here. This We'll make all sorts of money. And But then as the lion gets closer—this is where it gets strange. The lion's still singing. The kids find it beautiful, okay? The kids find it beautiful. When Aslan creates life, life sprouts out of the ground, okay? It's sort of like the imagery in the Bible when, when God creates life out of dust, humans were formed. Mm-hmm. Well, in this case, the humans are animals. They speak, mm-hmm. okay? And Aslan creates life in the form of animals, and they come out of the ground. Elephants come out of the ground. Stakes come out of the ground. Foxes come out of the ground. Squirrels come out of the ground. Birds come out of Everything comes out of the ground, okay? And Aslan, it, the tune changes. It gets more wild, and the world grows faster, and eventually they're standing in Narnia. Okay. And it's beautiful. And But all the while, the lion is getting closer to everybody. Okay. And as the lion gets closer, the children hear it singing still, but, dig, er, but Uncle Andrew can only hear the lion roar. Mm. And he, he has literally just imagined it. The lion's not roaring. He just thinks that lions should roar. So that's what they do. And why do you think that is? Well, I think it's because if you if your entire thing is that God is cruel, all you see is the cruelties. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like, I, I can't express another thing than other than when somebody says, and I don't have a good argument against this argument, there is no God because there's evil in the world. Yeah. But the only reason is is because their view of, their view of God is cruel. Yeah. So, but one of the things that Diggory notes is that, all the things that Aslan does, because Uncle Andrew thinks that the, the thing is that the Aslan's horrible and terrible and mean. And but Diggory sees, well, what about all the bad things that the lion stops? You know? Like he thinks to himself, Well, this world would never be created. We'd never exist without mm-hmm. Aslan. So it's sort of they have inverse they have different views of it, okay? And um as Aslan is creating things, he um he sees the children. He doesn't really make much any anything of them, 
but he sees the cabbie okay and the cabbie is like he's like the i don't know he's like this holy like ascetic man ascetic you know what a, a monk is yes ascetic you, ascetic monk that's sort of like he is but he's a cabbie he's really he's a real common man and aslan looks at him and he says you're going to be king of narnia <laughs> and i really love that yeah because he asks he asks the cabbie first are you a, he asks him if he's a if he's like fit to be king yeah and and the cabbie says i'll try i'll tell you what i could do a lot better if my if my wife were here <laughs> and um at this point the horse starts talking the horse yeah so the horse they brought with them named strawberry starts talking mm-hmm. and um and i forget what the horse says but it's something of the of the sort of i think i know who you are to the cabbie <laughs> yeah and and the cabbie says of course you remember me i raised you and the horse says ah i remember you you used to ride me and whip me and then like and beat me with a with like a what's like a whip to yeah. get me to run faster and 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 the cabbie says ah but i used to feed you <laughs> used, yeah, yeah. and and the horse says ah but you used to make me pull the plow <laughs> and 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 the man says ah but look about in the winter time in the winter time i was working hard and you were resting yes and and so they basically like they come to an, uh, an agreement that yes. that they'll that they'll make amends i guess and um what happens next uh let's see so okay yeah so aslan creates narnia um and let me go to page 126 i wrote that down and um then when he creates narnia um after he's done he says narnia 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 awake love think speak be walking trees be talking beast beasts be divine waters so, so if, the, if the music came first, mm-hmm. what was what he just stated? That was he, he, well, what he just stated basically was everything be alive and mm-hmm. the animals start talking. Okay. And um, basically, I like this right here. It's the same imagery as in the garden when god lets adam and eve be free mm-hmm. okay he lets them be free he they sin they commit the sin they eat the fruit and then he lets them be free to me it's like it's almost the same sort of thing it's like love think speak be walking trees be talking beasts be divine waters and everything goes about its way and We'll get into this at another episode, but I have a very, I think, a different view of the creation story than a lot of Christians. Yeah. Um, I regard that story as largely narrative mm-hmm. more than Are you sure that's not historical. something we can talk about now or no? Well, I think we'd be here for a while. Uh, <laughs> maybe we can talk about it when this when we're done. We're very close to being done. We're sure. probably only got like 20 minutes left. Um, but maybe, yeah, we can definitely talk about it because it's definitely something to go into. Um, the next chapter, chapter 10, is called The First Joke and Other Matters. Um, and the first joke is, 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 is this. Um, Aslan says, Creatures, I give you yourselves, said the strong, happy voice of Aslan. I give you to forever rule this land of Narnia. I give you the woods, the fruits, the rivers. I give you the stars, and I give you myself. The dumb beasts whom I have not chosen are also yours. Treat them gently and cherish them. But do not go back to their ways, lest you cease to be talking beasts. 
For out of them you were taken, and into them you can return. Do not sow. And all the animals say, no, Aslan, we won't, we won't, said everyone. But one perky jackdaw, which I think is a bird, added in a loud voice, no fear. And everyone else had finished saying, no, Aslan, we won't, we won't, just before he had said it. So he came out above everyone else's voices. And everyone thought this was funny, but they didn't know whether to laugh in front of Aslan. So they started like chuckle nervously and like, C.S. Lewis notes that they don't really sound like they're laughing, but if you could live in that world and be one of those animals, maybe that's what laughing might be like. And they tried at first to repress it. Then Aslan said, Laugh and fear not, creatures. Now that you are no longer dumb and witless, you need not always be grave, for jokes as well as justice come in, in, come in with speech. This is These two lines are actually, I think, some of the greatest... They're the greatest lines in the book. It's... Aslan being God, the Christian God, mm-hmm. actually, which is well, break, go- break it down a little bit. What do you well, it's a God that's it's a God that's good. It's a God that grants freedom. It's a God that grants all things in their own. You can be good and bad. Okay, like you don't just have to be. God wants us. I think it's. Oh shoot! I think it's a a nature of of Christians to often think that we don't really have free will because yeah. God chooses us to be His followers, mm-hmm. but. I don't think that that I don't think that you can live properly like that. I think you have to live with agency, mm-hmm. that the decisions you make are yours to make. And I, of course, like you've definitely got God guiding you in some sense. At least if you're a Christian and you pray and you God guides you in some ways. But some of the decisions you make, um, you might not have a chance to pray for for as long as you want to. Mm-hmm. Okay, and during those moments that's when your free agency comes into effect when you get you have to make a decision and aslan gives the beast the freedom to make the decision mm-hmm. okay and one of the first thing they do is they joke <laughs> yeah. that's one of the first things they do they yeah. tell a joke which is sort of funny you know maybe it was like that at the dawn of time i don't know yeah but i'd like to think that what follows next is you didn't know if I could, I didn't know if God would be funny, okay? But Aslan comes out and says it. Laugh and fear not, creatures. Now that you are no longer dumb and witless, you need not always be grave. Mm-hmm. He says, why be grave? Be happy, for jokes as well as justice come in with speech. So in other words, the function of speech is not just, it's not just to rule order, basically. It's also to have light heart, to tell, to tell jokes, to be funny, to enjoy oneself Mm -hmm. okay and like today i can't think of a more appropriate Mm -hmm. especially in a country where free speech is a right we're very blessed to live in america where free speech is a right but people often they don't want to laugh like there's nothing there's nothing that we mutually laugh at anymore and i think that's a big issue so hopefully if you're listening to this podcast you've been laughing a few times with Mm -hmm. narnia yes um because the the second, um, the first joke is the jackdaw asks, Aslan, Aslan, have I made the first joke? Will everybody always be told how I made the first joke? And Aslan replies, no, little friend, said the lion. You have not made the first joke. You have only been the first joke, <laughs> which is very, it's like this sweet, you get this image of the sweet father, really. Yes, a yes. very, a very, that, that kind, very... A very kind, gentle, but also powerful father. Mm-hmm. And now more than ever, we need a powerful we need not a power i don't want to use i feel like 
people often mistake the word powerful power as a bad thing i don't think power is a bad thing strength beauty courage that kind of father Mm -hmm. like that's the sort of father people need in their lives and you know for lack of a better for lack of a better term america needs a father right now yeah you know we're lacking a spiritual father we've all and i don't want to be the one to say that america's christians are dwindling in small numbers because i don't think that's my place but i do think a lot of people are are not being religious anymore and they're not i don't want to say not reading their bibles because it sounds so cliche but like there's definitely even if you're not a christian and you're listening to this for the first time i don't think people know what it's like to look upon something and be fully understood right and i think one of the moment you are fully understood you know Mm -hmm. being vulnerable of course Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're. I think you're seeing the father to a certain degree right. because right. we spend a lot of time not wanting to be vulnerable. Right. So they have that. They have that moment. It's really funny. It's really sweet. Um, Diggory and Polly love it, <laughs> of course. Yes. Um, and then Diggory and Polly decide that they they need to get to Aslan, and the reason they need to get to Aslan is because they need Diggory needs to. He needs something from the world <laughs> that will heal his mother mm-hmm. okay and he's so afraid to say it he doesn't know how to say it basically they get strawberry to let them ride them let them ride him and strawberry lets them do it <laughs> despite the fact that he doesn't really like being ridden and so they put they put polly and diggory onto the horse and, and uh the horse because aslan's actually walking away to like go do like narnia things mm-hmm. and as aslan's walking away the horse catches up to to aslan when the horse catches up to Aslan, Diggory hops off, Polly hops off, and they're in front of this lion, <laughs> and they're terrified. And Diggory doesn't know what to say. He doesn't know how to express what he feels, because he feels so much. Mm-hmm. And because he's, he's, his mother's dying, and he walks up to Aslan. He doesn't want to just ask Aslan, okay? He doesn't want to just ask him. Hey, I want you to heal my mother. But it's funny he can. Eat, it's funny that he even thinks Aslan uh-huh. can do that. He's funny. He even thinks that Aslan. The same can do thing it. that the witch saw, right? In Aslan, he mm-hmm. automatically he automatically sees that like, well, maybe maybe he can't, or maybe he won't. Maybe worse, he'll just deny it. He can, but he won't. Mm-hmm. And basically, he goes and he's trying. He doesn't. He wants to do it sort of like nobly and like a little bit, but he, it all just sort of falls out of his mouth. Aslan, will you heal my mother? I need you. My mother's dying. I need you to heal my mother. And um, Diggory has tears in his eyes, of course. And he doesn't know if Aslan will feel anything. But when As- when he looks into Aslan's eyes, Aslan has tears falling in his, in his lion's face. Mm. And Diggory thinks to himself, he's ashamed because he, the lion looks a great bit far sadder than Diggory is. Mm-hmm far sadder than Diggory is and the lion says I can't he says it's not the time it's just not the time basically and then the lion says but there is something that you need to do that you need to write because you did a great wrong and then he tells he asks Diggory how did you get here and Diggory has to tell him the story about the rings and about his uncle and about the queen and about why do you think he's asking do you think he doesn't I don't know. know No, I think I think he wants Digger to be honest. Mm-hmm. I think that's what he wants. I actually think that's like, it's sort of it's it's sort of like 
I don't really know where the first sin began. Okay, is it when they went to Charn and they went exploring and they strike the bell? Is that when it happens? Like, is Diggory's first sin striking the bell? I don't know. Maybe it was curiosity. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I don't know if that's, like, is the first sin curiosity? It almost seems like it. Like, at least on part, it looks like one of the things that gets them into trouble is curiosity. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think deeper than that, it's that they weren't adequate enough to not bring Jadis into Narnia, mm-hmm. into an empty world that was untouched by evil. And I think... Do you think that's why he was crying? No, I don't know. But Aslan makes the remark that evil would have still come into the world. Yeah. Aslan makes that remark, which is very, very strange. Okay. Because mm-hmm. hypothetically, you create a world where everything's good. Evil will never touch it. But I think that's the nature of reality is that if it's good, then there has to be a shadow that contrasts. Mm-hmm. And that's evil. And like I think that's sort of what the Bible gets at when they're in the garden. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't think that God created the tree for Adam and Eve to sin. I think that in order for it to be good, there had to be a tree. Mm-hmm. Okay, because otherwise it wouldn't have been good, right? There wouldn't have been a contrast. There had to be a tree that was forbidden in the garden. At least in the in the, otherwise it wouldn't be good. How could you call something good without something bad in it? You have no like. It it'd be difficult to call something like. It'd be difficult to tell the difference between wood and metal if there was no such thing as wood mm-hmm. you know like it'd all be metal right yeah so it's just sort of or uh, you know what? hot and cold are better if all you if all you knew well you couldn't even think of one without the other you know what i mean mm-hmm. like if if there was no such thing as cold it wouldn't just be hot right it well, just wouldn't make sense the meaning of one wouldn't have a definition because it's reliant yeah. on the one other. definitely would not have a definition yeah anyway so they go through this and aslan decides that Diggory can write it. He can write it. And how he can write it is he can go and get this apple from this tree in in Narnia. Well, actually not in Narnia, in the edge of Narnia. So like in this like world, it's like this realm in Narnia. Well, in the world of Narnia, like in the same world that's like away from where they are. And Diggory says, I don't know how to get there. And, and Aslan looks at a horse strawberry and gives him wings. Okay. Yes. Gives him he becomes the first Pegasus. The first winged horse of Narnia. And they name the horse not uh Strawberry, but Fletcher. So the new horse new horse's new name is Fletcher now. Fletcher. And um so they got the horse named Fletcher and basically they they're about to go on this quest and Polly asks if she if she can go. And you know, Aslan probably knew that she wanted to go, and um, C.S. Lewis makes the comment that Aslan seems like the sort of person that just likes to be asked. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they go on this adventure. Before they go on the adventure, though, there's this chapter where they have to say what happened to Uncle Andrew, because if you'll notice, he's not here right now. He's not present. So where is Uncle Andrew? So during all this time, Uncle Andrew, remember, was scared of the lion. So when the lion got closer to them and then left away, Uncle Andrew still fleed. So he fleed, apparently kids apparently didn't notice because they don't i don't think they make notice of it in the chapter but uh uncle andrew flees and he runs into a bunch of animals okay (laughs) and they can't decide what he is he did faint didn't he he does faint okay Okay. he does faint eventually okay so he faints while when they surround him okay and when they surround him they're like 
they're like, what is he? Okay. <laughs> and a bunch of the animals are like, he's a tree. Have you ever seen a tree fall over like that? <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, cause trees are the only thing to them that fall over. Like they've never seen anything fall over before. And, um, one of the rabbits says that they think he must be some form of lettuce, <laughs> which is sort of funny. And the elephant is the only one that suggests that maybe it's a human, okay? And maybe, like, that thing on its head is, is a human. But eventually, they don't know. They decide it's a tree. And then they have this great debate about, well, actually, before they decide on the tree, the jackdaw, the bird, says, what if it's the second joke? <laughs> which is very funny. And the human beings are the second joke, which is sort of, I think, is sort of sweet. Um, but so they have this argument about what exactly Andrew is, and they decide on tree, and then they have a debate about whether they should plant him. Which side is his roots? So they look at the top of his head, and they decide, well, he's got all this hair, so maybe that's his roots. Mm -hmm. And then the elephant says, yeah, but the feet. And the legs look more like the roots, and they spread out more like roots do. Yes. So, <laughs> so C.S. Lewis makes a note. He was very lucky that when he was planted, he was planted legs <laughs> first because he very narrowly was almost planted by his head first. And so they plant him, and then they decide they need to water him. And the elephant says, I have the perfect nose for that. So they're basically spewing water on Uncle Andrew. And while they're doing this, Uncle Andrew wakes up. And then the chapter just ends, and you move on to the next chapter. <laughs> And C.S. Lewis says, it'd be funny to know what would happen after this, but unfortunately we need to get back to the children. And the children have begun their adventure. And they're on this adventure, and um, the horse is flying them to this place. They stop somewhere to sleep. Um, they sleep for a night. Um, it's not really important what happens there, except that uh, Polly plants toffee in the ground, and it grows into a toffee tree. Which is awesome. Um, which is sort of cool. And... Um, it sort of like reinforces this idea that maybe like Uncle Andrew's idea might work mm -hmm. um, about getting rich. Wasn't it based off of like there was so much like um, creation? And there energy? was so much creation going on that in the beginning anything that was planted would just grow. Mm -hmm. So it was sort of like the magic that was that Aslan sung into the world was still in the world. Yeah. So, but they still have to go to this garden, which is sort of like the Garden of Eden. They have this apple. Mm -hmm. When they get there, um, Polly. It's on the top of a hill inside of like a hedge, so like you remember I don't know, remember the movie Over the Hedge. Yes. Okay. Sort of like that kind of hedge, and um, there's some gates, and Polly and the horse stay back because they feel like it's not their business to go into this place, and they don't really say why. It just feels like a very holy place, mm -hmm. and so Diggory is allowed to enter through this gate, which he touches and just opens, and it swings open silently, and when he gets there. Um, he sees all these trees. He doesn't know quite which one is which until he sees it. He sees the tree that Aslan wants him to steal, to take an apple from. Aslan doesn't want him to steal. Aslan told him to get an apple, so Diggory's getting an apple. As he goes to get this apple, he thinks to himself, he doesn't know, but maybe this is a magic apple and it will heal my mother. Mm -hmm. But Aslan only told him to take one. And, and in fact, there's also this, um, there's this part in the book. Or, or, so by the by the the gates there's a poem to uh by the gates says come in by the gold gates or not at all take of my fruit for others or forbear for those who steal or those who climb my wall shall find their heart's desire and find despair hmm. which is very ominous yeah <laughs> so diggory doesn't know what to do technically he knows he's not stealing he knows he's not stealing an apple he doesn't know aslan never said don't take two and even if he did say don't take two i'd be doing it to heal my mother so it's sort of circum it's circumvented remember 
so you have the queen who thinks I'd be doing it for this reason. Yeah. Okay. I it's my it's I've rationalized it. I get to do it because it's my right. Diggory makes the he's about to make the same mistake. Okay. And then he says, even if it were, weren't the case that Aslan wouldn't like it, it's not a big deal because there's no one around me to see me do it. And then he looks up into the tree and there's a bird sitting there and he says, well, maybe not true. <laughs> and um, and it's sort of, I don't know if this was meant to happen, but whenever I read the book, I get the imagery that the bird is a phoenix and a phoenix is a bird made of fire, basically. Mm-hmm. Remember the phoenix from, mm-hmm. everyone remembers the phoenix from Harry Potter and the phoenix from Narnia. Remember, it's the bird that lights things on fire, and and from the X-Men. and Princess Cat, and from X Men, yeah, and um, I, would, I always wonder if that was the the guardian angel, hmm. in uh, in the garden, but I don't know, so maybe it you is. You mean like relating to the relating Bible to the guardian they're... angel, yeah, because yeah. um, the doesn't the angel have a flaming sword? Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. which is awesome, it's so cool. But that's that's after they've already, as after they've already read, and you like you can imagine things yeah. are a little bit out of order, but um. So Diggory only takes one apple. On the way out, Jadis finds him. And Jadis is enticing. Okay. How does she end up there? I don't know. No, You never really know how she ends up in the garden in the first place, except that she's there. And he sees that she has eaten an apple. But it, on where the fruit would look, the fruit looks amazing in in Diggory's hand. But it looks amazing on the tree. But the apple that she is eating is rotten and it looks horrible so it sort of harkens back to that poem for those who steal or those who climb my wall shall find their heart's desire she found her heart's desire in the apple and find despair and the apple has like this juice on her face it looks horrible mm-hmm. and um Digg- and she basically tries to convince diggory to give her an apple and diggory very much wants to he wants to give her an apple because she's very like enticing and is telling him all these things that he could live forever and he, and then she tells him and that one of those apples what Aslan doesn't want you to know is that one of those apples will heal your mother that's what which is strange how she knows that yeah which is strange how she knows that and like it turns out she just wants one she needs someone to take it for her because she can't pick it herself mm. yeah because remember the tree remember what it says come in by the gold gates or not at all take of my fruit for others or forbear and forbear means don't Mm-hmm. So, like, take of my fruit for others. So she can't take it for herself. She'd have to take it. And, and Diggory's doing it right. He's doing it for Aslan. Okay? Now, it's a debate that, like, if he would have taken a fruit for his mother, would it have been bad? Mm-hmm. Okay? But he doesn't. And the queen, the queen tries her darndest to convince him to take another fruit for his mother and to spoil his adventure. And um, basically... As she's convincing him, she also says, let me see. Uh, she says, uh, let me see, where is it? Uh, hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the, as she's enticing him, she says, he says, okay, I'll read this little part here. Oh, shut up. Do you think I don't see? But I promise, so he's saying, like, I, I have to take this to Aslan. And then she's, ah, but you didn't know what you didn't know what you were promising, and no one here can prevent you. And then she's Diggory says, Mother herself wouldn't like it. She's awfully strict about keeping promises and not stealing and all that sort of thing. She'd tell me not to do it, quick as anything, if she was here. And then the witch says, But she need never know. You wouldn't tell her now you'd got the apple. Your father need never know. 
No one in your world need know anything about this whole story. You needn't take the little girl back with you, you know. Hmm. And as she says that last part, that was where the witch made her fatal mistake because Diggory realizes that she's lying, okay? And he says, look here, where do you come into all this? Why are you so precious fond of my mother all of a sudden? What's it got to do with you? What's your game? And Polly whispers in his ear, good for you, Diggory. Because <laughs> she doesn't know what to do because, like, at this point, Diggory's met up with the horse and he got onto the horse's back and, like, all this sort of, it's sort of, ha it's hard to, like, talk about this while it's, because it all sort of happens as he's leaving the garden. And Polly doesn't know what to do because, like, of course, it's his mother. Like, she has no say in it, obviously. Mm -hmm. But now she's like, you go, you go, dude. And they, um... They don't have to fend off the queen. She won't fight them. She says, go then, fools. Think of me, boy, when you when you lie old and weak and dying. And remember how you threw away the chance of endless youth. So the, she tells him, too, that the, the apple will make him live forever. And they leave. So Fletcher takes off. They fly all the way back to Aslan. And um, Aslan says, um, well, Aslan first, when they get back, he congratulates him on the what he's done um he pronounces the cabby and his wife king and queen of narnia and then he uh which is vital for later vital for later yeah and and they're going to be the first humans in narnia about whom all other humans will be born mm -hmm. and um after that uh aslan tells diggory throw the throw the, the the apple and when he throws the apple it lands and it grows into a tree and when it goes into a tree uh, Diggory says he feels horrible that he can't save his mother, but he feels good that he did the right thing, mm -hmm. and which I think is the most it's it's the most important part is that Diggory feels he feels like he did the right thing, mm -hmm. and um, Diggory ends up basically Aslan congratulates Diggory, well done, my son, and which is sort of that like mm -hmm. it's that moment, and then Aslan says, and we need to go back now. We have to leave. What you've done here is, your time here is done. Mm -hmm. You have to go back to your own world now. And you have to take those rings, and you have to hide them so that no one will ever find them. You have to bury them and get rid of them. And because he doesn't want anyone else tampering with magic. That's what he wants. Mm -hmm. okay? With things that they shouldn't be tampering with, right? And Diggory then um, doesn't ask anything. He goes about, is about to go on his way, but then Aslan lets him take an apple off the tree that is grown and um then aslan doesn't use the ring to rings to take them back to their world he just takes them back to the world the wood between the worlds when they get to the wood between the worlds that pool that charn to get into charn is dried up because that world is dead hmm. okay and aslan warns him that the very same fate can happen to your own world wow yeah and, and then Diggory says, but no one knows the deplorable world. And deplorable. the deplorable word. word. And, um, you know, Aslan basically says, not yet, but someday someone might have enough power. And I can't help but think that when when C.S. Lewis wrote this, he was thinking of atom bombs, yeah. of hydrogen bombs. Because this book is written, like, right... When, when does this book... When was this book written? It had to have been written around the time of the Cold War. It was 1954. 1954. So I said 58 to begin with. 
-hmm. So this book is written right on the eve of the Cold War, okay? Which was this time in history where, like, people were making bombs Mm -hmm. to destroy the world a hundred times over. Like, Mm -hmm. we were in a nuclear arms race. It was really bad, okay? I can't imagine living during that. Exactly, yeah. Like, I know we think we have it bad now, but, like, imagine living then. Anyway, Aslan sends them back to Earth. When they get back to Earth, they get back to that ruckus in the street, and everyone's kind of confused. Uncle Andrew is is asleep, (laughs) and he wakes up, and he's really, doesn't really, he looks really disheveled. He has a bunch of stuff all over him. Um, And Diggory... Um, takes all the rings, finds all the rings that Uncle Andrew has and grows old and buries them. And um, he inherits a lot of wealth from his father or from uh, his great-great-uncle. And he ends up moving out into the country. They then say with Polly. and he, Which he did end up saving his mother. He did end up saving, oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. He gives, he gives the apple to his mother and she feels better and she heals. Mm-hmm. Um, when Diggory grows old, he, um, or sorry, as Diggory, uh, when Diggory finally gets out to the country, when he's like a young, a young man now, he plants the seeds of the apple, mm-hmm. and they grow into a tree. And then some 30, 40 years later, when Diggory is living in the country, a great southern wind blows through and blows the tree over mm-hmm. and knocks it down. And Diggory doesn't know what to do because it's like, oh, that was the tree yeah and so he decides to have it cut up and made into a wardrobe a wardrobe and i'll read the last i'll read the last page um it was like this the tree which sprang from the apple that diggory planted in the back garden lived and grew into a fine tree growing in the soil of our world far out of the sound of aslan's voice and far from the young heir of narnia it did not bear big apples that would revive a dying woman as diggory's mother had been revived though it did bear apples more beautiful than any in others in England, and they were extremely good for you, though not fully magical. But inside itself, in the very sap of it, the tree, so to speak, never forgot the other tree in Narnia to which it belonged. Sometimes it would move mysteriously when there was no wind blowing. I think that when this happened, there were, my, there were high winds in Narnia, and the English tree quivered because, at that moment, the Narnia tree was rocking and swaying in a strong southwestern gale. However that might be, it was proved later that there was still magic in its wood, for when Diggory was quite middle-aged, and he was a famous learned man, a professor, and a great traveler by that time, and the Ketterly's old house belonged to him, there was a great storm all over the south of England, which blew the tree down. He couldn't bear to have it simply chopped up for firewood, so he had part of the timber made into a wardrobe, which he put in his big house in the country, and though he himself did not discover the magic properties of that wardrobe someone else did that was the beginning of all the comings and goings between narnia and our world which you can read of in other books when diggory and his people went to live in the big country house they took uncle andrew to live with them for diggory's father said we must try to keep the old fellow out of mischief and it isn't fair that poor letty should have him always on her hands uncle andrew never tried any magic again as long as he as long as he lived he had learned his lesson and in his old age he became a nicer and less selfish old man than he had ever been before. But he always liked to get visitors alone in the billiard room and tell them stories about a mysterious lady, a foreign royalty, with whom he had driven about London. A devilish temper she had, he would say, <laughs> but she was a damn fine woman. A damn fine woman. The end. That's great. It's a great book, and right? it really sets up things for the next few It books. sets up so well for the following seven books i mean or for the following is it six books 
six bucks. Six bucks, yeah, 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 yeah. The firing six bucks. Sets up great for the line, the witch in the wardrobe. And the wardrobe is that wardrobe we were just talking about. Yeah. The horse and his boy, Prince Caspian, the voyage of the Dawn Treader, the silver chair, and the last battle. Hmm. So, the end. There's the first episode. That's awesome. Thanks, everyone, for, uh, for joining us for the first episode. Once again, my name is Drew. I think for now we're going to be calling this the Bookshelf Podcast. With uh, um, revisions later. If revisions later. Things. And if any <laughs> of y'all have a suggestion about what we should call it, please feel free to message us. Um, we are not opposed to that at all because we recognize the name of it is not There's great. There's going to be a need for a lot of constructive um, criticism. We are, we are taking any and all criticism, so please feel free to, to message us. Um, we'll set up an email. On the, on the description somehow and eventually we're going to do this by video so y'all have something to watch yeah, that'd, um, be fun. that'd be pretty fun uh on the next episode of at least on the next bookshelf is going to be the line the witch in the wardrobe um but probably in an episode between there because we got into it then is going to be an episode on what the difference between this is and the bible and mm. how those relate and then i think we should also talk about the two different takes of genesis of those yeah. first 11 but, chapters. Yeah, there's quite a few takes. Mm-hmm. There's quite a few takes. We'll, I'm sure. Yeah, we'll talk about maybe my take and then yes. yours as well, because I imagine they might be different. I think we... Do you I think do, we agree? We, we will. We do get some of ours from Jordan B. Peterson. Yeah, right? yeah, we do. We do I mean, like I don't that. know if I get mine. I, mean, I like I like what... I, I think a little bit like that, yeah. I think yeah. I'm pretty close to that. I don't that know if I believe, but like... I no, yeah, I don't know if I believe like that. Yeah. yeah. I, but that's besides the point, though. It is. Thanks for being with us, guys. Uh, it's been a great... Holy moly... Hour and 22 minutes. Hour and 22 minutes. It's not bad. No. It's not bad.